of Performance Publishing Group, making a difference one story at a time. We'll be shining the light on successful founders, entrepreneurs, business owners, and leaders that are getting results and making a difference. We'll talk about how they built their businesses, are creating movements, and leveraging the power of authority in their own lives. Be sure to stick around to the end of the show and we'll reveal how you can be our next guest. Let's get started. Welcome to the Power of Authority Spotlight, where we shine the light on entrepreneurs, business leaders, founders, people that are doing awesome things. They're building businesses and they're making an impact along the way. And I'm excited to introduce you to our guest today. He was actually a referral from one of my dear friends, Ian Garlic. So we'll introduce him in just a second. But first, this show is brought to you by Performance Publishing. Have you ever thought about writing a book? Has ever anyone ever told you you should write a book? If you own a business, you must have a book because your book is your business card. If you want to learn more about ways that you can leverage what you already know and put it into a book to get more business, more credibility, and especially more authority, go to performancepublishinggroup.com. That's performancepublishinggroup.com. Grab a free strategy call and get on your way to journey to authorship. All right, let me introduce you to Gray McKenzie. He is from Zen Pilot and is a true operations nerd with a passion for helping digital agencies build healthy, productive, and profitable teams. He has built Zen, or Gray has built Zen Pilot into ClickUp's largest and highest rated solutions partner and has spent the past decade helping over 2,700 agencies streamline their operations. He and his wife are raising four wonderful young children in Western Pennsylvania, and they're always looking for new travel and adventure recommendations. I have one for you. Um, if you have a favorite trip, reach out and let Gray know. Um, I We're going to be talking a lot about Zenpile and a lot about you, but I just first and foremost, welcome to the show, Gray. Yeah, thanks, Michelle. I appreciate the opportunity to be here. and it's It's great to talk with you today. So our friend Ian introduced us, which I, I love because that tells me I already know a lot about you. Ian is such a, a, a I highly respect him, smart guy. And, you know, you're the self-proclaimed um, operations nerd. So <laughs> you guys maybe both think in that, that yep. detailed analytical way, which I love, which is really awesome. Yeah. How uh, I wanted to ask you as well with the intro. So like the whole pre-show and coming on experience. Have you worked with, is this all kind of your creation of the flow and refining the podcast flow? Or have you worked with anybody uh, to go through the production process and kind of strategizing it what the podcast flow looks like? Awesome question. Yeah. So I've done it a couple, I've done it both ways, but currently okay. we are working with an incredible company that um, Rise 25 that that has helped okay. flow. So as far as sponsorship and all of that, I wasn't doing that before. And um they've given some great recommendations and on the production side and all that, but I'm always open for suggestions. So if there's a better way for me. No, to I think, I think it's excellent. We've worked with rise. Yeah. We've worked with rise 25, Jeremy and John, both on the, like hopefully their process. Uh, some of that is reflected from work that we did together on their operations, but also uh, they helped us with our podcast uh, agency journey as well for a season. So it felt very like, there's a lot of elements there. That I'm like, Oh, this is really well done. Uh, and I was wondering if that was coming from, from their expertise. So that's awesome. <laughs> I did not know. I mean, I introduced us, but I didn't put the connection there too. Right. So, hey, Jeremy, I know you're listening. And John, thank you also for, uh, yeah, they do a great job. We're so, we're so happy yeah. and yep. 
you know, proud to be a part of their, their podcast community. So. Right. That's awesome. Well, good. Well, sorry to, sorry to distract you, but I had yeah, to ask. Well, I love it because we're talking shop and this is what we do. So this is, and in fact, I'd like to go there. I do want to talk more about Zen pilot and what you do for agencies, but you know, podcasting is such a huge opportunity for, I believe for pretty much anyone that wants to build a business, be a thought leader, um, you know, establish more credibility. And you help people with that. Can you talk more about what you do in that area? Yeah, for sure. So I think um, if you look at really probably most businesses, but certainly the agency ecosystem that we is the majority of where our client base is, you really can break down an agency into three main areas of business. And I think this would apply. Tell me if you if you disagree. I think this would apply to a ton of businesses. But you've got growth, mm-hmm. um, marketing and sales, business development. Like it's basically who's making the promise. And you've got delivery, who's keeping that promise, who actually has to do all the client services. And then you've got operations, which is like the junk drawer of business, you know, people, culture, HR, legal, finance, like it all kind of sits under that tools, IT, mm-hmm. um, sits in that operations bucket, in at least in, in my verbiage. And so <clears throat> the easiest way to mess up your brand is to be, if you think of growth and delivery, it's really like making the promise mm-hmm. uh, to clients, that's marketing and sales jobs, and then keeping that is delivery's job. And the relationship between those two pieces of the business are massive. And we all can probably think of people, like there's probably names popping into most people's heads right now of someone who's been excellent at making the promise and really terrible at keeping the promise. And you see that on like a personal level. Uh, we all know friends who are who are that way. Oh yeah, I'd love to come over, you know, whenever you host that thing. And then nope, like don't actually want to come over. Yeah, we should definitely get together. But, but there's no meaning to it. Um, and then we've all had business experiences that are like that as well. Like what we bought and then what was ultimately delivered um, did not line up to the promise. And that's, in my opinion, one of the easiest ways to, you need both pieces, right? Like you don't have a brand if no one's out there making the promises. So we need the um, the Michelle's and the performance publishing of the world out creating audience and creating that promise. But uh, then our side of what we do at Zen Pilot is help folks keep that promise, uh, which is a huge part of maintaining the reputation and integrity and brand that we, that we all want to have. How do you walk people or com- agencies, companies through how to keep that? Cause I, by the way, I love how you just simplified a business and those so simple, but just this, what you said though, it's who's making the promise that's growth, marketing, sales, delivering the promise. Um, you know, those are the people that the, the, the little delivery side and then the operations. I love what you said. It's the junk drawer of business. And it is so true. Yeah. It's everything. everything in there. <laughs> I'll, honestly, I'll think about that later. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, because in order to be in business, you have to have um, you have to have an offer to promise and you have to have somebody to follow up and, and deliver on that promise in order to be, quote unquote, in business. So um, I love that. But how does Zen Pilot, how do you guys help yeah. agencies do that? So we're the mission that we're on is trying to create clarity from chaos in almost every business, certainly the service based businesses that we work with most commonly. Uh, you know, we're just running like crazy to make promises. Sometimes they're new promises that we've never made before. And then how do we keep those promises and how do we actually deliver what we said and keep clients and attract new clients and hire people and let people go promote people, create a create career opportunities. How do we stay compliant? All these different areas. There's so much chaos that nat- naturally happens. I'm sure we've all seen, you've seen the the chart of like, Hey, when there's one person and another person, there's one line of communication between them. You had a third person and now we've got three lines of communication, but then you had a fourth person and now the lines start to grow exponentially as you keep adding people. So the chaos is a natural part of what develops in any business. And so creating clarity really boils down to 
getting everyone really clear on um, what's the order of operations, what needs to get done in what order, how do we complete that? And then how do we have visibility into performance as we go? So what work is on track? What work is off track? Um, kind of that clarity should extend from the executive layer where I need to know, you know, what's my profitability? What's my profitability broken down by service line or by client or by project or by team? Um, you know, what's the utilization rate of the company? What's our gross margin? Kind of what are what are all the key financial metrics and performance metrics that I need to know? All the way down through your team leaders to individual and and uh, users, individual contributors, um, who really need that that base level, like what's on my plate, in what order, and how do I get the work done, mm-hmm. and what's the definition of done look like. So as we're creating that and helping teams create that, there's three key components that we're building around, and so those are the tools that we're using. Um, kind of how does that all play together and create as much of a single source of truth as possible. Uh, then there's the processes. So the tools piece creates a ton of efficiency. The processes that we follow, like it's taking a bad process and using tools to make it faster just gets you a slightly more efficient bad process. So the process needs to be dialed in for what we should actually be delivering. How do we actually have that calibrated to deliver the right end results that we're okay. promising to clients? So that's the efficacy piece. Um, and I think productivity is really like, are we doing the right things and are we doing them uh, as fast as we can't be doing it or as efficiently as we can be doing it. So it's really that efficiency and efficacy piece. And then the third uh, key component and, and probably the most crucial one, the one where, where we spend a ton of time is the habits that your team employs. So people have the system, they know the process, do they actually follow the process and record it in the system? Um, and if so, that's where, that's where all the magic happens. So our whole business model is helping teams get the right tooling in place, the right project management systems and the right, uh, dashboards and data visibility mm-hmm. uh, paired with the right processes um, and all powered by the right habits of their team. Wow. Yeah, you are speaking to an operation manager's dream because of managing all those pieces. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with EOS in, in any way, but you know, there's the visionary and right. then the, uh, is it the integrator? Integrator. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> My husband is involved in the business and just to clarify who's who. I'm the visionary. <laughs> right, right. So those processes and all that, that is so like, like gets excited. He gets excited about that kind of stuff. Right. I get overwhelmed thinking about, wow, 100%. a lot of work to put together, but it has to happen. I mean, you can't yeah. function in a business without systems and process and, you know, and talk, let's talk about the habits because I haven't really heard that is specific. Right. What does that really address? Yeah. So I'll take, we'll go into like the nitty gritty of project management for a second. And if no one's familiar with um, ClickUp or if someone has not heard of ClickUp before, it's a like, that's the most common project management tool that we're implementing. We also implement uh, teamwork.com for teams. And so those are our two main kind of solutions partners and then a bunch of tools that connect into that. But ClickUp's a project management platform. Think of Asana or Monday.com. It's right in that um, same bucket of tooling. So if we looked at teams who are managing projects in there, um, do you use the project management system right now? We use Monday. We Monday. will we use Monday for, for the delivery part and we use Keep for the sure. the, yep, the marketing automation. And yeah, yeah. that makes sense. So, it, so Monday, ClickUp, whatever the example is, the habits would kind of play to any of those systems. But it's outlining for the team things like, hey, how do we start our day? How do we end our day? And what are the standards around project management that we have? So uh, are we tracking time or are we not tracking time is a common one. Um, If you don't get something done 
by the due date? Like what's the methodology is one of the first starting points. What's your project management methodology? Are you a due date driven methodology? Hey, we put tasks in and we put a due date and that's how we assign priority is basically what's the, what's the due date. Or is there another way that we make decisions around what priority looks like? You know, we're running on agile and we're running sprints and we've got our own rhythms around that. Or is there a different uh, prioritization matrix? But once we have that, let's just say it's a due date driven methodology, then if I don't get something done today, which certainly happens in a ton of teams, a ton of time, am I allowed to just move the due date or do I have to also leave a comment and mention whoever is impacted by that? Um, I get what you're you know, saying. Where, where, where does uh, organization central, like all project updates, do those all live in one central place or does that get thrown into Slack and sometimes in an email and sometimes in a different areas? How do we interface with clients? Like a lot of those nitty gritty details um, is where the rubber meets the road in the day-to-day. If you abstract that a layer up, it really looks like, hey, what are the scorecards that we're building off of? What's the data that we actually need? How do we not look at 30 different data points that we all kind of ignore because they jumble together, but pick, here's a couple key scorecard metrics um, that we're paying attention to and measuring and focused on improving. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. For the companies that you work with, or the agencies that you're working with primarily, what size is ideal for a solution like this? Is this meaning like, are you of the mindset that this should be starting day one of a business? Or is it, you know, build some traction and then move into it? I have my thoughts of what would be the right answer, but I want to know what you think. Right. Well, uh, the power of process, you can you, you can plug the same process and solution into a two-person team and into a 20-person team. And it'd be the same amount of work to build, but the power of process, the ROI, it all comes from how many times that's run. Um, so when you build out a checklist, if it's run 100 times, your payback period, if run 100 times in month one, your payback period is a lot shorter than if it's run 100 times over the next 10 years um, total. So the larger the team is, the more ROI they're going to get from it faster. Right. Um, the reality is if we could early on plug it in from day one uh, and not have to live through all the chaos, uh, that'd be great. But for most teams, they're hitting the point where it's beyond what the founder can manage. So now we're past five or six people. And the pain of not having a centralized system and solution for all this is really starting to show up in the day-to-day because we're no longer all just sitting in the same office or we're able to just slack through it with four people. Now it's, we've got eight different people and they're all have their own ideas about how stuff should, should work and run. Um, and, and I'd say the one other piece there is um, you probably want to find product or service market fit first because early on, we don't know who we are. Uh, none of us really know who, who we are anyways, but but we've got some, uh, you know, a little more clarity around who we are during this phase of, of life um, as we move on. So early on, uh, I think most uh, agency teams, if we take that example, are, are digital yes men. Uh, hey, you need a website, we'll do that. You need a Facebook page created, we'll do that. You need, you know, a PPC campaign run, like we'll figure out how to do that. You need a podcast producer, sure, we can do that too. And we don't really know who we are. And it's just, hey, we're slightly more adept at solving these problems than than most of the folks are. At least that's how that's our journey back in 2011 looked like that to start out. Yes. And so building a bunch of process for 50 different services that we'd all run one time would not have been a good way to invest time or money. Mm-hmm. Um, where once we figured out who we were and understood and the market said, yeah, like we want what you do. Now I'm sure on your end, you're working with authors. Like there's a very... Um, tightly streamlined process 
because that's you've settled into your lane now. You've got clarity around who we serve and how we help them. And so now it makes a ton of sense to to build out the infrastructure to support that. Okay, good. Yeah, I totally agree. And it's funny what you're describing sounds a lot like me and my journey. I, you know, we started, uh, well, I started my business in 2009. The publishing company didn't start till 2010, but it was not intentional. I never set out to have a publishing company. It was, I, I published a book. I am passionate about people telling their stories. So it was just a natural, let me help you. And I do call the first five years, it was spreadsheets and it was chaos. Yeah. Total. So when you said from, you know, clarity, you know, okay, chaos, clarity, right? yeah, yeah. I was like, okay, yeah, that was our world. And, and, and as much as I'm not the analytical system type of personality, it, it there was a breaking point, like this cannot sustain itself. And so right. putting those systems in place and tools and all of that. Um, now I can't even fathom how we would operate without systems. Right. So like, right. Um, but I asked that question because there are some that are, you know, maybe they're just starting a business. I do think the, the idea of systems should be, I think should be enforced early, early, early on. I wish I would have had more, uh, clarity on how I should have established systems up front, but honestly, to, to the point of it being worth the time, the investment to do it and not until I had more people on the team, you know, that, that right. came later, but. Um, that's so that is I just can so relate. And I think a lot of people listening probably can too. Right, right. Yeah, I think there has to be oh, just like any action, there's got to be some pain that we're trying to avoid and some outcome that we want to achieve to motivate us to actually do it. So we could tell everybody plug in systems from day one, but most of us are not going to pay any attention until it starts to hurt. And it oh. usually starts to hurt once we get a handful of people involved and all working on the same team. And and now we're really starting to feel the pain of bouncing in and out of that spreadsheet and trying to find who updated and what tab and, you know, all the ins and outs of, of kind of hacking things together for our season. So of those three steps of a business, the growth delivery and um, operations, operations, would you say your your really your sweet spot is in that, that the second part of it in that you're enabling a business to deliver on their promises effectively because without sure. it'd be really hard to do, or do you also get involved on the upfront growth and the, and the backend operations? Yeah, so we have to, there's no way to not tie in a little bit to the growth side and heavily on the operation side, but delivery is the bread and butter. That's the place that we come into teams who uh, they've got a good offer. They're getting some traction in the marketplace or they've got you know a long history of proven traction in the marketplace mm -hmm. um, and they're just struggling to make it all work together and keep the wheels on the bus uh, as they keep, as they keep uh, going and growing. Um, or often that's also teams who are like, hey, we've actually, we feel like we're 90% strong. We are, we're in a good place here. We've got this handful of things that are really important to us to solve that we just have not been able to, you know, we haven't been able to get the reporting piece quite right out of it. We've already got the team all set up and structured and they're tracking time in this platform, but we don't know how to get meaningful insights out of that. So there's a a wide range there, but yeah, it's heavily focused on the delivery side. That taps into operations uh, quite a bit naturally, and then some into growth as well. But we are not a marketing firm coming in and consulting on you know how you should be marketing or a sales team or sales consulting firm saying, here's how you should be running a sales process. And take that process um, and say, hey, here's what we've seen work well for other teams like that. Do we want to build that here um, as well? And then obviously, just like you've experienced and Nine's experienced and like everyone who find a, kind of finds their sweet spot, you just tap into the network of, hey, who have we seen other folks have really good success with? 
And those become the, the trusted other vendors for solving some of those other pieces that we'll point to a lot. I mean, they all go together. Like you said, you can't have one without the other. But I do think that delivery is the most important, especially for, you know, somebody who's building something. And a lot of times it's built on their own reputation, their name. I know for myself, it's, you know, and, and there's never a perfect scenario. It's not like all business just flows perfectly, but it is right. on the delivery part because, you know, for our business, at least majority of our, our business comes through referral. So if we're not delivering on what we say, and and again, in publishing, there's always going to be something that that we could do better. But I just think that process is it, it's critical to the lifeblood. Um, you can be a great salesperson, but if you can't follow through, you're never going to get more business. You know, so right. yeah, so I love it. You know, when, when we started, we were talking about the podcast and all that, and and there are a lot of people listening. I I think that are considering either starting a podcast or maybe they already have a podcast. And is there more to that author? Or I'm sorry, I'm so used to saying author journey. Um, the is yeah. there more to the podcast journey that that you you know you and I were talking about? Yeah. So we grew our first business, our agency, Guava Box. We grew it through SEO and blogging. We take every Wednesday morning. And the team would sit down for three hours and write whatever the blogs were. And then um, we'd spend an hour optimizing and posting and working on links or whatever else. And so it was like half a day, once a week. And we went from, you know, a couple hundred visitors a month to a little over 15,000 visitors a month um, or the course of about nine months um, through doing that. That was 2012 uh, mm -hmm. timeframe. And so it was a little less competitive. That worked well. And then, um, you know, we're really focused on inbound marketing. So how do we convert those folks into leads and then nurture them into opportunities and then close opportunities into deals? And that was kind of how we grew the agency. And then when we launched um, Zen Pilot, the one of the big things that we switched from was the heavy emphasis on blogging and SEO mm -hmm. into uh, podcasting. And so 2015, we launched Agency Journey. Um, we're a little over 300 episodes into that show. And the strategy really early on, and this is what I was, I'm kind of curious to hear what your strategy looks like as well with guests. Mm -hmm. uh, but we looked at, hey, do we want to invite on people who will become the end customer for us? Because it's a great way to build a relationship. Like you and I talked for 25 minutes here. Yeah. Um, we haven't spent a lot of time together before, but now a book is on my heart. as what like I want to write a book at some point. And now there's a relationship and someone who I've spent time having a quality conversation with. I'm like, oh yeah, if I've, like when when we get to that point, um, here's someone who I should I should call and talk to. Mm -hmm. So uh, that was one of the options, and we wanted saying, hey, we actually want to talk to people who are probably uh, too. They're they're not quite who we're after um, in terms of end customers, mm -hmm. at least at, at this stage of what we were building at the time, which was a project. We actually built a project management software first. Um, but we want them, we want to reach the folks who are influencing our customers. I think in any, um, in any environment, this isn't just true in business, but your status or reputation is, um, kind of automatically attributed to you based on the people you hang out with. When people don't know you, but they see who you're hanging out with, they assume you're one of those people. So by hanging out with and having people on the podcast who are much larger influencers and had a much larger brand than we did at the time, there's a way to tap into some of that status and authority um, and be perceived the same way. And that was helpful for us in getting the software off the ground. Um, 
and that's shifted a little bit over time. So we have on a bunch of agency advisors, but we also have a lot of agency owners and some are our customers now, you know, we're far enough in and there's so many case studies and success stories that we'll kind of keep a mix of an agency advisor and a larger influencer and an agency owner who we'd like to have on or have, have become a customer. Um, and an agency, you know, a past owner or entrepreneur or operator um, who has a success story to share of how they've gone through it. And so there's a little bit of a mix in strategy now, um, which I think creates some some cool diversity in the show. But anyways, I think those are all options that if, if uh, and certainly any author, I think a podcast is like, uh, you know, it's like peanut butter and jelly if you've got a book and and a podcast probably. Um, but as folks are thinking about strategy, I think that's worth trying to figure out, Hey, what is my approach to who, what types of guests do I want to have on? I think that is so spot on. And you and I think a lot alike in this and, and partly I, you know, give credit to Jeremy and, and some of even, um, our earlier partners with podcasting is what's the intent. And it's interesting. I had this conversation with someone recently and I said, my, in- Yes, I do want to, you know, we want to get lots of downloads. Of course we do. But it's not the only, it's not my driving. That that to me feels more egocentric than what the purpose of, for me is. It is building these relationships. Like you and I, unless we were pre-COVID, a lot of times these relationships were happening at events, right? right. Network events, masterminds, things like that. That's not as, um, it, it's still happening, but not at that level. And so- connecting with other people that have similar um, interests or similar, like the, for you, you know, when Ian and I talked, it's, you have so much information that I know my audience and our authors, they need to learn from that. So that was just a natural connection. But I, I look at it more for the relationships too. You know, um, I have a, I have a, uh, or through the years, I've always had this philosophy that I'm not going to recommend a business to somebody unless I have personally worked with them. Right. Um, you know, whether it be referring a marketing company or a podcast company or, you know, anything like that. So I want to connect with people because if it's good, if, if we connect, then I'm going to recommend it to all of our authors. And so, um, but the other thing is, you know, the, something you said about the, the larger influencers, I agree with that as well, because it's the people that, you know, for me, you know, yes, it would be great if we could help somebody write a book, but it's not my intention of having them on the show. It's more of, right. You know, how are you helping, like, for example, somebody who has a community, how are you helping your community to grow yep. their business? I mean, are you looking at all the different ways to to build that authority, the credibility and book is just one, one way. Yep. Um, and so I love having those conversations, you know, and right. yeah. Yeah. I think there's so much like our example of that was we were in the HubSpot partner ecosystem and they've got just like most ecosystems you know, they've got different tiers of how established you are as a partner. And we were at the time the fastest one to hit gold uh, status, but we were still a gold partner. And then there were two tiers above that. Right. And so our strategy, even though the ideal customer for our early, early software was were other partners who were at a similar level, uh, gold or maybe one tier above us. Um, we invited on pretty much all of the founders of the top tier mm. um, of agencies um, because there was like a natural, you know, people naturally assume, oh, if that's who you're hanging out with then you're building software that's, you know, targeted towards like, if that's where I'm trying to aspire to, I want to work with people who are in that same, same circle. And that actually has turned into a ton of great relationship. And as we evolved and matured, like now we've worked with most of the top tier of HubSpot partners 
as those relationships have kind of organically gone through. And the same thing, with, you know, if you had, uh, if we're looking at the podcast and it's like, oh, we've got Brene Brown and Seth Godin on. And um, those may be the folks who are not, they're not the ideal people. Uh, they may have their own teams to go do the authoring process. That might not be the ideal customer for you, just like those partners for us weren't the right uh, customer for us at the time. Um, but everyone starts to say, wow, like Michelle's hanging out with all the heavy hitters. Like this is, you know, this is the person who I do want to take advice from. Uh, I think that applies in so many different circles. So I just want to share that as an example that I thought might be helpful for folks who are thinking about podcasting. Hey, is that another approach we should take with our guests as well? I love that you said that. And, 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 and I'll preface this, it may not be the easiest to get Brene Brown or, I mean, you obviously right, right. had to have some accredibility and establish yourself to get there. However, I have found that when you ask people, it's, you know, people are people are people. I'm I'm just convinced that there's no, um, you know, and we all want the same things, right? We want to help yep. people, but we want to build our business. I actually had um, Michael Gerber on my show, yeah, right. um, through a relationship with Jeremy initially, and then he had, was on the show. I don't need to tell him about writing books. I certainly don't need to even remotely go. He he could tell me a lot more about, you know, he's written right. so many books, and his his uh, emyth was one of the ones that really changed my business. But the fact that he was on the show was that instant connection of, oh, well, you know, that did more for, and I didn't even look at it as that way as more of like, I want you to tell our listeners like what everything you know about building a business with a book and all of that. And so, but don't be afraid to ask. And so yeah. in that, that scenario I asked and he said, yes. And so I, I love podcasting. I really do. And that's not my business. I don't, you know, if somebody wants to get involved in that, you know, I'll, I'll refer that out, but um, I'm excited to talk about your show though, because I think people could really benefit from the content. So podcast agency journey is the the podcast show. Yeah. Okay. Um, and, and one other thing you said too, and I think sometimes people overlook this is the importance of bringing on your customers. So you were saying that you bring on a lot of yours. We do the same thing and we call it an author spotlight. And I, I always preface it to those people, like, this is not a show about me. Don't even talk about, they don't even need to know. I mean, if you want to bring it up, great, but this is for you and for your benefit. And I know that that is such a value add for our authors who are you know, trying to get some exposure and trying to get, so, you know, be, be put out there as that authority. And I think a podcast is one of the best ways to do it. So think of it that way. Who could you bring on that you're helping them? you know, to, they're already a customer, but you're just taking it one step further to help them. Right. Right. And I figure out how to frame that, um, in different organizations that looks different. Like for you, that seems like a slam dunk. I'm an yeah. author. Of course, I want to go on a podcast and talk about my book. Yeah. Um, for us, we have, uh, like some of the largest teams that we've worked with, uh, intentionally don't want people to know that they had to go somewhere else for help with mm -hmm. operations. And so it has taken us a little while to figure out how do we, how do we frame this? Cause that doesn't seem like the whole story. There's gotta be a way to frame it differently rather than just tell your story about what was so bad before. And what, like, uh, there's a lot of hesitancy around putting numbers to it where teams don't want to say we were way underutilized before we had client trend that looked like this before, you know, our, our client okay. life to value looked like this and now it looks like this. And I think that there's almost always an angle though. And so that has become a lot better. Uh, I think that's an area that we've grown a lot in in saying, no, like, let's actually tell the story of how much you've invested in the work that you put in to become better operationally. And this is a differentiator to your client. You can share this with your uh, clients as well. And they're excited to see, and they should be feeling it first. They should be feeling the impact. 
of um, how much better and how much smoother things are working uh, going through this process and through the work that we've done together. Uh, and then let's, let's share that out and not be afraid. Like let's not hide behind the fact that, Hey, we're doing work to improve our customer experience. Who would hide from that? Every software promotes, Hey, we, we made these product updates and, you know, be excited about this. Um, so there's almost always an angle. And I think we were really, really bad at that early on and kind of gave into the, Oh yeah. Why would you like, you know, you should, you don't need to go tell the world that things were, were not great before and now are better. Um, but there's almost always an angle that makes sense. No, totally. What, what person wouldn't want to work with a company that's always improving versus no, we got it all figured out. Yep, right. <laughs> um, okay. So I, I have one more question and I, I really could talk con- for a long, long time with you because there's, you, you, you know, so much, but I have to cut it off, but the show being called the power of authority and it's based on a book I wrote years ago called The Power of Authority. And it's that play on words. You can't spell authority without author. As a publisher, I do believe that. But it's not about a book. It's more about when you have authority, it's people want to listen to what you have to say because you've earned the right for that. And you have to do things in order to get that authority. So what are you seeing? And we've talked about podcasting. I think that's one way. What are you seeing today currently that agencies, that's what's working? Like what is helping to build either an individual's thought leadership authority or a business. You know, you said it before blogging was back 2012 and all that podcasting has evolved, but is there anything else that jumps out to you that's working? I don't even want to say it. Like LinkedIn is the, that's the place to be and to grow um, a brand right now. Mm-hmm. So it's not my favorite place to hang out. Me either. Um, but it there's no like there's no way that that's not a really really good place to build an audience um right now and to get your original thinking out there and i think the people who are the best at it do a really good job of mixing up the um you know here's the three tips for solving this it's like the the conventional stuff and they play the algorithm game and they post once a day and they make sure that they you know they've got their uh folks who engage and have people engage with it within the first hour of posting you know whatever all the other pieces of of making LinkedIn work, but then they combine that well with kind of authentic, like off the cuff. Here's just, you know, a, a piece of my life. Here's a picture into um what's happening or the more just funny, purely entertaining, purely like, hey, this just popped into my head. And so I want to share this. I think um that is that is working well. Um I'm working on getting better there. Um, but that's a already an opportunity that we've we've been able to see a lot of growth in um in a relatively short period of time yeah and i I still think sharing your original insights or your thinking in some kind of consistent format you know email uh, even if it's an email that's somewhat video driven seen some success with that i've seen more success with having it be still be text um you know like primarily text um but some folks do it short and it's it's really nice. Uh, Nathan Barry, who founded ConvertKit, I think does a really good job of his emails are relatively brief, but he just shares kind of what he's learning uh, and builds a lot of authority um, that way. So, and, and I think taking, you know, ideally, like leave it to me, the efficiency person to want to do this everywhere, but like content branching. So you've got one key idea and maybe the first thing that you do is write about it and that goes out in the email list. But then after that, after the process of writing is so refining, then you get on a podcast and you share it and then you break that down and that becomes your LinkedIn messaging. And there's a blog post on the site and like, how can we repurpose that same key idea or insight um, and hopefully pick out the good stuff. And and I think um, a ton of agencies who do this 
for folks and teams will take everything and have like shorts uh, from the podcast. Hey, we'll take 10 shorts, uh, each of the most, most intelligent things that you said, and we'll do that for every single episode. And I think that's been the way to do it. Um, that's how most folks are approaching it is say there's some set quantity that we're going to do. Uh, and same thing, like every time that you write an email, then it also turns into a podcast. It also turns into a blog post and whatever else. And I think that's going to um, become more popular for us to realize, hey, that's not actually what we should do. Maybe Gray only said one intelligent thing in the entire podcast, and we should only make one short out of what this was. Or this was kind of a flop of an email. We got very few replies to this. Let's not turn it into a podcast and turn it into all the other things. And we kind of pick and use that uh, content branching system as also a, like there's also a filtering mechanism there where we actually take what's actually resonating and what do we still believe in. And then we go hard on kind of taking those messages and promoting those. And then obviously the very best of the best of the best stuff winds up in a book somewhere. Yeah, for absolutely. No, I, you hit so many awesome things there, but the data driven to what is working, don't just do it just to do it. And I've always been a little has resistant to that. Social has never been my favorite thing to do because I do feel like sometimes people are just, bleh, you know, throwing stuff out there, but right. the valuable stuff. Um, LinkedIn, I'm so glad you brought that up because that is a, definitely um, a strategy that we've, we've kind of gone head in on the last, you know, couple of months because you can't deny that's where people are now. And um, I'm glad you mentioned that. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, great. You are awesome. Any uh, last thoughts or anything as far as, uh, you know, for, for these businesses, I still love what you said and how you broke it down that agencies, the three that your, your growth delivery operations um, and the importance of the delivery, but any parting words of, of why uh, people should really be paying a lot of attention to getting that part done. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't think I have a whole lot more to expand on other than just like anything else. So you hear, or you see, I thought for a while that showing people here's what gold standard operations looks like uh, was really powerful. So if anyone Googles click up for agencies and look for our, um, we've got a blog post that's called the definitive guide to click up for agencies. And there's a video in there that kind of walks through like, hey, here's what a day in the life of an agency who's built this out uh, looks like. And it's a longer look and it, uh, it starts out kind of high level and then it gets pretty technical as it goes farther. And um, I thought that, that would be super. I think for a lot of teams, like there's some really cool agencies who've taken it and they've gone and implemented off of that guide and you know they've they've done it on their own. But really what mostly happens is people get overwhelmed and they realize I want the outcome and I'd rather not tune into any of the granular details. So I think as you're talking about any of this stuff, podcasting, authoring, writing on LinkedIn, it's just kind of all overwhelming and then that leads to inaction. And so creating clarity is the greatest gift that we could give anybody. And so if, if folks could just sit down for you know three minutes and just say like what's the one thing you know i think tim ferris popularized like what's the one thing that if done well would make everything else easier uh, and just try to figure out what's the linchpin what's the one thing to focus on even if it's i'm not even going to overthink it this may not be the linchpin like let me just take one thing from this and go work on that maybe i'm just going to improve my client onboarding experience and that's always my recommendation to teams is how can we just boil this all down and say like hey let's just go solve one thing today or this week that's so good. And where best way for people to get a hold of you? Yeah, well, so I'm much more active on LinkedIn now. So LinkedIn, <laughs> if you search Gray McKenzie, uh, you should find me on there. Uh, and then zenpilot.com and the Agency Journey Podcast are the, are the two other best places. Awesome. Gray, thank you so much for being on the show. You are, you have so much wisdom and 
Oh, this was just such a great podcast interview. So thank you. Yeah. Thanks for the opportunity, Michelle. It's been super fun. You bet. All right, everyone, that's it for this episode, but so many great nuggets. I hope you were taking notes. I especially love, you know, as a business owner, we are all in chaos. Just admit it, there's chaos, but you can go from chaos to clarity and, but it does require systems, intentionality. Um, Do think about where are you in that, that model of, you know, agency businesses? Are you, are you focused on the growth, but not necessarily on the delivery? Are you on the delivery and you don't have enough sales? Or are you so stuck in the junk drawer of operations that those first two things aren't happening? So take a close look at that and definitely check out Gray's podcast, the podcast agency journey and his website, zenpilot.com. So that's it for this episode. We'll see you next time on the Power of Authority Spotlight. Bye, everybody. Thanks so much for listening to the Power of Authority Spotlight. If you are a successful founder, entrepreneur, business owner, or leader that's getting results and making a difference, and you'd like to be on this program, please visit performancepublishinggroup.com forward slash podcast to apply. That's performancepublishinggroup.com forward slash podcast. Also, if you got something out of this interview, please share this episode. Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. If you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them on social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtag, the power of authority spotlight. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content, so make sure you don't miss any episodes by subscribing. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. Want to know more? Go to our websites, performancepublishinggroup.com or michelleprince.com and follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next time.